Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. So please take a moment and email us at mystory at cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Today's really cool. I, uh, I, I, I can't wait to talk to you about it. And would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. No one came here today to listen to me. Everyone came to hear you in your scripture speak revelation to them. Someone in this room needs this. Someone in this room needs this message to guide them in the next decisions they make. Lord, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, I have pulled out the most boring sermon title I have ever come up with in my entire life. Are y'all ready? You want to write this one down. This is a good one, okay? Nothing, I actually had a sleeper in last service just from the title of the message. No joke. I had a snorer in the last message just from the title. Ladies and gentlemen, today is entitled The History of the Brick. Yes, I'm serious. I'm serious. Today is the history of the brick. Now, it's too late. You can't leave. They've locked the doors and everybody has to stay. There's a reason why I want to talk about this today because the brick in biblical history is a fascinating study. And you would go, no, you're not convincing us. As exciting as you are right now, you're not convincing us about the history of the brick. Trust me. There's a reason why. In the last several weeks, we've talked about Solomon. Okay? And in Solomon's story, we've heard some fascinating things. We've heard Solomon being invited to be a part of God's kingdom plan. Okay, think about that statement for a minute. God's kingdom plan. Every person in the sound of my voice should want to be in God's kingdom plan. Okay? But Solomon being in God's kingdom plan had this transition to where all of a sudden there was an anti-kingdom that Solomon started to build. An anti-kingdom that was completely opposite of God's desire, God's heart. I'll give you a few examples. Last week we talked about some of the things that moved Solomon from king, God's kingdom plan into, God, into the, an anti-kingdom. Is Solomon was an arms dealer. Uh, chariots and horses. Uh, this was something he would buy the chariots and horses then sell them to the neighbors at the highest price he could get. And you saw that this arms dealing took place. And some of us would go, hey, that's, that's just good supply and demand. And actually, the arms dealing is a very interesting study because it actually is more than just supply and demand. It's at the expense of somebody who's going to have these horses and chariots chase after them. There's oppression taking place because of Solomon selling chariots and horses. And oppression is a very interesting word because God always hears the cries of the oppressed. Okay? We go on with this story. Okay? Solomon built the temple, built the walls of Jerusalem, and built his house with slave labor. Okay? And that's a very important thing if you think about it because now the slaves have become the slave owners. And there's something morally, ethically, and kingdom-wise wrong with that. When the slaves become slave owners. 
And then you see an interesting thing take place to where Solomon manipulates the system and even breaks the rules from time to time. And God specifically says in Deuteronomy, don't ever go back to Egypt. Never, ever go back to Egypt. Go, don't go back to Egypt for the horses. Don't go back to Egypt for the chariots. I have delivered you from Egypt. There is no reason to go back to Egypt. And Solomon turns and sets up this purchase of horses and chariots from Egypt. And that sounds like the same thing, but it's not. It's this story of God's teaching kings how to be kings, and Solomon goes anti-kingdom. These are a few of the things we talked about last week. And then I introduced that this week I was going to talk to you about the brick. Now, the brick is fascinating, and the brick kind of leads us in the same direction. We'll sh I'll show you why it's so important that we cause a time out in Solomon's story to now look at something that we see a little bit in the story as Solomon's building, but as he's building, he moves from building God's kingdom into building an anti-kingdom. And in the story of the brick, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. I want to show you some things. And to show you something, I have to kind of get away from the brick right now and go all the way back to Adam and Eve. In the story of Genesis, we find here's Adam and Eve who is being talked to by a snake. Remember this, remember this story? And the snake said, you don't have to worry about the, the apple. When God says he doesn't want, to eat, want you to eat it, what he's actually saying is, is that it's actually good for you. And, and, and he, he actually wants you to be happy. He actually wants you to try it, taste it. You've got to just kind of read between the lines of what God's telling you. And this is what the snake is saying. And he convinces Eve, and Eve convinces Adam. Guys, there's a lesson in that right there, okay? I'm just moving on. I'm just saying it, and I'm moving on, okay? And we find the fall of man. This is the fall of man because you find the resurrection of man, when, when the redemption of man in the future, but this is where it all started. Now, the reason this is so important is because at this point in human history, it's just an apple, okay? Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, it's just an apple, just an apple. But something interesting happens when you begin to read through Scripture. You begin to find that Adam and Eve had children, and the story of Cain and Abel takes place. And just the same way in our own lives, we can say, hey, it's just a blank. Whatever the blank is in your life, it's just an apple, it's just a person, it's just an incident, it's, it's just a blank. From an apple, we see an anti-kingdom, different than how God wanted it take place. And you know all that happens in the Garden of Eden, and Cain and Abel are now out of the Garden of Eden, and they get into a brother spat, and it turns into the first murder ever in history, as Cain kills Abel. And the interesting thing about the story is that here you have Abel dead, Cain living, and God shows up and says, where is your brother Abel? Remember this part of the story? Question, do you think God knew where Abel was? Sure, sure he did, absolutely. But what brought God into the picture is because Abel's blood was crying out to God. Abel's injustice, Cain's doing wrong towards Abel is crying out to God, and God comes down. I think that's why we gotta pause and see Sin is not only disobedience to God, but sin can also be the injustice we have towards people. Human language, it's just when you do people wrong, 
and it's just a part of your nature. Okay? No one in this room right now owns up to it. Everybody's just, we're just listening because how does this apply to a brick? Because there's something that is said in the story of Cain and Abel that I think you have to stop and pause that's going to come up again. And in Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, I want you to look at this very closely. This is Cain and what he is now doing. And it says, then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. This is after the murder. This is when he feels all the shame. This is when God says vengeance on him seven times, okay? And dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Everybody say east of Eden. East of Eden is this movement. And it's more than just they're moving away from where they were. Let's stop for a minute and think about how deep this is. You had God's perfect plan. And now you see that the apple takes place and Cain and Abel have their issues and you see that Cain kills Abel and they keep moving east of Eden. East of Eden is an author's description to show not only the physical movement, but also the spiritual movement of the people at the time. They continued to move further and further and further. Let me get this right. East of Eden. Human nature doesn't stop at an apple. It then goes quickly to murder. And from there you see that it doesn't just stop with Cain and Abel, and it's not just an apple, and it's not just one man's dead. The genealogy of Cain continues on till you find a man by the name of Lamech. And Lamech is like the great, 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 great grandson of Cain, and he makes this statement, and look at the depth of it. He says, if Cain is, is avenged, or uh, revenge on Cain seven times, then Lamech 70 times. And he says, if one murder is seven times injustice, I deserve 70 times injustice. Does that make sense? And you can see the depravity taking place in human nature as men just keeps moving east of Eden or east of God's best. Let me stop and tell you why this is so important before I get to the brick. Everybody in this room, you think it's just an apple. It's not an apple. It'll always turn into something more. It's not just a murder. It always turns into something more. One person leads to many people, and it's this multiplication of it's more, it's more, and that's how sin works. Remember Veggie Tales? Veggie Tales, one of the best Veggie Tales of all times was the lie. And the lie started off with this little bitty lie. And then you had to tell a lie to cover the lie, and it was like, whoo, whoo, whoo. I did this to my kids when I was little. And they thought that was the coolest thing in the whole world. You know what else they thought that was cool? Watch this. Ta-da! They thought that was amazing. Yes. Look what I got to do to keep you guys awake. Yeah. We're preaching on the brick today, folks. Everybody watch this. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. We see a continuum of information east of Eden. It doesn't stop with just where you're at. You have to tell a lie to keep the lie. You have to tell a lie to keep the lie to keep the lie. You have to tell a lie to keep the lie to keep the lie to keep the lie. And it always gets bigger, and we find ourselves moving east of Eden. After the story of Lamech, we find that human nature goes so far that God thinks the only thing that we can do at this point is to start over with Noah and his family. And the flood takes place. And he starts completely over. 
But even in Noah's story, humans keep moving east of Eden. Okay, we are talking about the brick. But now I want to go to the beginning of the brick story. And you're going to see why I'm making this point about east of Eden. Go to Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, it's the first building construction known to man, okay? It's the Tower of Babel story. This whole story is about to take place of bricks being introduced to the world. You know it, I know it, you know what happens in in the Tower of Babel story. But have you ever read this before? It says this, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Wouldn't that be cool? But then it says this, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east. Okay, time out. Remember the east of Eden? In this portion of scripture, the New King James, which I love preaching out of. I always want to preach out of the New King James. It says that they journeyed from the east, which doesn't sound like they're journeying east. But if you look at the study and the translations, especially in the New International Version Bibles here, it says, it says that they were continuing on an eastward journey. And so I know that you can read this and you can go, whoa, 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 that doesn't say the same thing. I know it doesn't. But you've got to just trust me. If you're studying, if you look at this, you're going to find that here in this story, the whole story of the Tower of Babel and the introduction of bricks is the people, humans, even after the flood, and now the story of the, of the line of Noah, people are continually moving east. And they're still moving east. Human nature has the tendency to be geographical on the places that God wants us to be. And for some of us, it is geographical, and sometimes for some of us, it's the geographics of your heart. And we keep moving away from God's best in our life. I'm going to continue the story. Here we go. That they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Okay? So here they are moving eastward till they finally found a plain. Then they said to one another, come, let us make, oh, come on, you got to get more excited about that. This message is boring already. Okay, here we go. And and it says, and they said to one another, come, let us make, I'll be darned, bricks. First time bricks is used in the Bible, and they stop, and they start making bricks, and they bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, they had asphalt and mortar, mortar, and they said, come, let us Build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered. That's a very important part. Abroad over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. And the Lord said, indeed, that the, that, 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 indeed, the people are one. And they have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. For the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Let me stop and let me just make sure we're on the same page. From the beginning 
of human separation from God's kingdom plan. Scripture tells us that Cain took his descendants east, further and further away from God's perfect Eden and God's perfect plan for people. And we find that they're still traveling east. But they get to a point to where they think, let's stop here. And they come up with the new technology of bricks. Let's build for ourselves a city that, that, that we will not be scattered anymore. The interesting thing about this portion of Scripture is that we could miss over the fact that the people are wanting to stop everything and stay where they were at. And bricks were going to help them build a community. There's nothing wrong with that, except for one thing. Bricks were going to stop them from doing a specific commandment that God had given them in the garden to go and multiply the earth. You remember that? So here's this moment of go and multiply. Go and be who I've called you to be. Go, go and fill the earth. See all the blessings I have for you. Be in me and go. And here they are moving east and someone says, let's stop and build. Can you see the anti-kingdom in the kingdom? There's nothing wrong with buildings. Heck, I'm loving the air conditioner right now. But there is something wrong about when God is specific in his instructions for our life and we choose to go a different direction than the direction God wants us to go. To look more specific into this, it's interesting that they want to stop. Let's, be, let's, let's all unite. Let's get away from the whole go into all the world, you know, go multiply the earth, and let's just stop and let's build a name for ourselves and, and, and let's quit being scattered all over all the earth. And here's God saying, wait, there's something of a blessing that I'm giving you by being able to go. And now you want to stop? I know in my own life, some of the things that scares me the most is where am I going? Come on, let's think about that. You could, you could be in your 60s today and wonder if you saved up enough to retire, where the heck are we going? You could be 18 years old. Think about every kid sitting out there today, 70 of them. And every year I can turn to them and say, where are you going? And 70 of them will say, I don't know. All of them are thinking about their future. We're all thinking about their future. And the whole point of today is the thing that can keep us from being where, we wanna, where God wants us to be is sometimes we concentrate on the brick more than we do the kingdom. And one of the things that you should have the peace to realize is that if you go where God wants you to go, you'll always be where God wants you to be. Come on, that was a yogiism, but that was a good one. And a lot of us want to settle down. And a lot of us think this, is, this will be good for my family. This will be good for me. Let's just stop and let's concentrate on the brick. And there are brick times in your life. But in this story right now, this isn't the time. Someone comes up with the idea of doing something opposite of what God had told them to do. And we find the wickedness of the brick take place. From here... You see that God steps in, and, and it can get confusing, the story of Babel, of why God brought confusion if he's not the God of confusion. 
And, and there's a lot of things in here that if you're not even a believer in this room, you can bring up a lot. And I, I bet some of the struggles you have with the Bible could be from the story of Babel. I'm not saying that we know everything about the story of Babel, but we know enough in this story to look that I don't even have to look at a building. I see the human nature, and of course, I see everything they're going through being the very same thing Ty has struggled with in his life also. What if? Why don't we? When am I gonna? And it's all the story, and I have to stop and realize that there was a time that God would say, the bricks are not for your life today. Could they be someday? Yes. But you've got to be locational and where I want you to be today. And all of a sudden we find that this is the story of where we are. Now, I want to show you something real quick. Right after this, we find a man named Abram, okay? And so in Genesis chapter uh, 16, is it 16? No, 12. This is the Abrahamic covenant. And in it, I want you to see the first covenant we have with God and the very words that God speaks to Abraham after we just read the story of Babel. The first thing that God said is, now the Lord has said to Abraham, get out of your country. Get away from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Here is the first paragraph, the first phrase of the Abrahamic covenant, and it all wraps around, you've got to go where I'm asking you to go. That's a part of the faith it takes to be in the kingdom. And a lot of times we're unwilling to move from where we're at to stop listening to the people who are around us from the very house that gives us great comfort into a land that we don't even know where it is. He's just telling us he's going to show us. And sometimes the very kingdoms God's trying to build, we don't want because it's uncomfortable. But faith tells us, this is what I need you to do to be the people that I've asked you to be. And for every one of us in this room, I promise there's something that God is asking you to move out of to step into a new thing that he's trying to do in you. Look at the very next phrase. He says, all this, and then he turns and says, I will make you a great nation. If you're able to have the faith to just follow me and go where I ask you to go, see if I won't make you a great nation. See if I won't bless you. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. Isn't that interesting? And you shall be a blessing. Two things in here I want you to see. It's the whole God's gonna bless you part. And the difference between it is that kingdom tells us that God does the blessing and anti-kingdom says, God, I can do it myself. And I would much rather have the faith to know that I'm where God wants me to be, doing what God wants me to do, and have the, 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 the faith to know that he is the one who blesses and he says, I will make your name great. I think that promotion is a part of God's plan in every possible way, promotion. But I have also felt the pressure of a pre-self-inflicted self-promotion of my life and all the weight that comes with it. Or to be a part of his kingdom and his plan where he carries the weight and he lifts you up. 
to then draw attention back to God and his plan. Have you ever talked to somebody and, and said, hey, man, you're doing really good. How's, how do you, what's your secret? And someone goes, well, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And I've heard that a lot of times, and it's cool to talk to people who've done a great work. But have you ever heard that person that says, God did this, and God did this, and God, and when God did this, and, and I tell you what, I'm, it's just all God. There's a difference between a Tim Tebow and a somebody else. Yeah, there you go. As for me and my house, we want to serve the Lord. And sometimes I can make bricks the kingdom, and the bricks are not in God's plan until he says it's a part of his plan. It goes on, third thing, I'm going to be really quick. Abrahamic covenant, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now watch this. In, in verse 2, it ends with, and you shall be a blessing. And the, thir- the last thing on verse 3, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the key part I wanted to get to today. Is that in your life, we can get so wrapped up with the bricks that we forget how to be the blessings that God has called us to be. And sometimes life can be all about the brick or it can be all about the blessing that God wants to do in your life and through your life. Let's brag on our counselors real quick. Right now there are 40 counselors out there who give up their vacation to come and serve these kiddos. I don't know how they do it. I feel guilty half the time. I'm like, guys, we need to pay them. And C.G. and Clay say, get behind me, Satan. We are not doing that. It would cost, you know, it would cost too much money to pay people for their volunteer. When the greatest pay you could ever receive are the things that you'll never get on earth, but you'll only experience in heaven. And there's people out there right now. uh, There's a gentleman that flew in, three people that flew in from Washington State because they could not wait to get here. And they're, before I walked in, one's playing basketball with the kids, one's throwing the football around out there, and the other one's wrapping T-shirts and bags and all kinds of stuff, going and getting kids' luggage in the car and bringing it over there so the kids don't even have to touch it. We have a phrase, we want a cruise experience without going on a cruise. Have you ever been on a cruise where you just pull up and they just like, we're here to help, we're here to help you, Mr. Bean? Boy, I love that. That's cool. When we serve our kids like that, and when an adult serves a kid like that, that's kingdom over, well, I'm not getting the bag. You get it yourself. Serving is this part that sometimes it moves us from how we were taught to now be who God's teaching us to be. There's a lot of kingdom going on out there right now. And for our own lives, I thought today would be interesting because we've been looking at Solomon. And in Solomon's story, we see that he got the chariot before the kingdom. That he got the temple before the people. He got his house before the history. If you would have paused long enough and realized, stopped for a minute, that the injustice and the oppression that he was causing 
was crying out to God. And when God looked down on a building that was supposed to be to the service of the kingdom, it was on the backs of people that were now wondering, how did the slaves become the slave owners? We're going to close this message. And we're going to do an acronym for BRIC. I've never done an acronym before in my life. Heck, I didn't even know how to spell acronym. But, but I know how to spell BRIC. And, 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 and we're going to look at these last five things. okay? And we're going to take a look at how this applies to our life and the bricks that could be in our life that God would say, is that kingdom? Or is that anti-kingdom? Because I want to bless you. And I want to ask you to move away from your father's house, the country of your origin, from your family to the land that I want to show you. Here's the first one. B. Build. What are you building in your life? Okay, let's think about this. When I think about what I'm building, I think I'm building kiddos. Uh, I don't have much of a building going on. As pastors, we kind of build, but we don't get to build for ourselves much. But I'm building two young men. These two kids are cool, old Brady and Hudson. And maybe you're building kids too. But the question that I have to ask myself after the preparation I put into this message is, Ty, if, I, if you were to die today, would your kids be building a kingdom because that's how you lived your life? Or would your kids know nothing more than how to build bricks? And if we leave this earth, have we taught our children how to build the kingdom, how to be about the Father's business, how to ask where he wants us to be, to do what he wants us to do? And it may not even be church. Church, church is cool, but honestly, if one of you guys came to me and said, we're going to start feeding the homeless on Sunday mornings and skip church, I would think that's a pretty good reason to skip church. There are things that are kingdom and there are things that are building. Church rocks, but not more than serving people. And if my kids, if I left their life today, would they know how to build bricks or would they know how to build kingdom? And for me and my house, we want to make sure that we're always looking and asking, what are we building? Where you're at, where you're at tomorrow when you go to work, is it just a brick building business? Or is there kingdom at work wherever you're working? Redemption, R. Redemption is this process of realizing that there is always a place for us to turn it around. We don't have to keep drifting east of Eden. We don't have to keep moving away from God's perfect plan, and we, get, we don't have to find ourselves one day building a temple, build, excuse me, building a tower that one day will be just mud when it all falls to the ground. There are things that moth and rust can't destroy, and for everyone in this person in this, in this room, I want you to listen. If you recognize a place in your life to where it's just all about the bricks, redemption is always possible in the heart, in the mind, and it changes the life. It's a simple prayer of, God, I don't know how I got here, but I don't want to be here anymore. Show me what to do. Our God is not bashful, and he loves you.
And there is always time for redemption and a new creation experience. I believe there's even some Christians that know Jesus, love Jesus, but they just haven't figured out how to be kingdom where they're at. And that's just a simple prayer. Show me how to do it. Third one is I. And I got real creative here, and I stands for I. And it simply as this, is it all about me? Is life all about me? Is the business all about me? Is the church all about me? Is the, is the, is the family all about me? Is it all about me? Is it all about I? I is it all about number one? That's a great song. Is it all about me? Let me show you guys a picture real quick. This picture I took of my bull. My bull is on the, on the right. It's the black bull over there. And my neighbor has three bulls, okay? Let me tell you about this picture. Um, the bull on the right, which is my black Corrienti bull, he has 130 acres of super tall grass all to himself, okay? All of his buddies are across the fence and they have 20 acres of stubble, okay? And all the three bulls can think about is how great life would be if they could just be where the black bull is with all the tall grass. And the black bull, with all the tall grass, all he's thinking about is how cool it would be with his three buddies across the fence. And you're looking at the three of the four of the most unhappy bulls in all of Lee County. And this is literally what they do all day long. And the white bull and the black bull, and that's a, that's a cool, cool thing right there. When you see a white bull and a black bull talking, that's a great day, okay? And here they are talking, and I'm sure they're talking how nice it would be to be where you're at. And the other guy's talking how nice it would be to be where you're at. And if you're not careful, this is what your life looks like if it's all about I, 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 I. Nobody's ever happy. You're going to get the brick you always wanted. And just because it's all about you, you'll even not like the brick you once believed for. Something's got to change in you. I love this picture. I'm keeping this picture forever. This sometimes is the story of us. We want to be someplace else. I would say this. Why not just be where God wants you to be? And it could be someplace else. But if you get to where God doesn't want you to go, trust me, you'll never be happy there either. Go to the, the, the next one. C. B-R-I-C, conviction. I'm not talking about conviction of being wrong. I'm talking about the conviction. Every one of us should be looking for the conviction of the deep sense of what I'm doing is important. What I'm doing is kingdom at work. I love this. Walls require bricks. I think one of the coolest brick stories, the story of redemption, is the story of Nehemiah. If you've never read Nehemiah, you've got to read the book of Nehemiah, okay? And in Nehemiah, an amazing thing happens. He takes bricks and rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem for God. And it's this redemption story of the brick, but it's the heart of the person going where God wants him to go, doing what God wants him to do. And it's proof that bricks are inanimate, but it's the heart of the people that define what a brick really does. 
And Nehemiah doesn't rebuild the wall for himself or to make his name great. Nehemiah rebuilds his wall to make his God's name great and to protect the people of Jerusalem. See, it's proof that you could be doing brick things, but be doing it for kingdom reasons. But it's when we stop and pause and ask, why am I doing what I'm doing? That's when God can say, let me show you how. Last and final one is kingdom. Kingdom. Jesus taught us how to pray. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus says, when you pray, pray this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Great start. Worship is so important to get your heart right for the kingdom things that God wants to show you. Making God on the number one, putting God on the number one spot in your life changes everything else. It's a trickle-down effect when we make the main thing the main thing. And then he says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a great beginning. He says, when you pray, that's how we find balance in everything else, including bricks. It's when we stop and ask God for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the very next thing, look at the very next thing. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And bread here represents both physical bread, because you got to eat, and the bread of life, because your spirit needs to grow. And every day, God wants to provide for you Give us this day our daily bread, which means, Lord, give me what I need to eat and live and the bricks in my life. But God, today I also pray that you give me the daily spiritual nourishment I need to be the man that you've called me to be. He says this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Kingdom at work. Not only do I need to be forgiven, but there's a whole world out there that I need to learn. It's not about me anymore. I can forgive just like I was forgiven. Then it goes on. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, which means that there is going to be temptation all the time to pull you east of Eden. A constant draw to move east of Eden. A constant pull to keep moving east of God's best for your life and convict me of, tempta convict me of temptation. And Lord, deliver me from evil the redemption process at hand. And the last and final thing, and I love this, for, and you guys can help me with this, for your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's say it all together. Here we go. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a cool way to pray. Is God against bricks? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But the history of bricks shows us that sometimes it can be anti-kingdom because we're east of where God wants us to go. But to find balance in all things, in my life and your life, is to come back. The redemption process of Jesus, I need you. Don't 
let me mess this life up. And God changes the heart, and everything finds balance, and we find our purpose in God's kingdom. Can I pray for you? Father, I pray for my friends. I thank you for who they are. But more importantly, I thank you that in all that we are, you have something better for us. Father, today I ask on a personal level that you would show me where's your kingdom and what part can I play in it. And for every person in this room, Father, I pray that we would begin to look at the bricks in our life and to recognize how it's been a stumbling block for humans in drifting east of Eden. For Solomon, the people of the Tower of Babel, for all throughout history, Lord, I ask that you would convict us of the things that we were naturally designed through our human nature that we can be delivered of by your blood, which separates us, and we become your own. Lord, for anybody in this room who has never had an opportunity to accept you as their personal Lord and Savior, they can take their time right now to just simply say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me when I've chosen something that was completely different than your best in my life. I know what it's like to continually move east of Eden, and I'm tired of moving, and I want to come home. Forgive me of my sins. You are my Lord. Father, today I thank you that you hear our prayers. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. The prayer team is going to be over here and also over here. I explained to my boys the other day that we pray together because we believe Scripture is correct when it says that where two or more are gathered, there he is also. And it's saying there's something powerful about when two people can agree on one thing. And maybe in your life, you recognize some bricks, some stuff that just needs an agreement with a brother or sister. While everybody's leaving, I just want to encourage you to come up and, and ask some folks, would you pray with me? They would love to pray with you. Cowboy Junction be praying for our camp this week. It's going to be a great camp. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys and have a great week in the Lord. See you later.